It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now, we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. The Stanley Cup Final is definitely underway, and now it's two games to one as the series shifts to South Florida. And the comeback Cats are at it again, Drew, as the Panthers find a way to win under very adverse circumstances, and they do it with all of their big guys stepping up. Yeah, Matthew Kachuk, who had a tough game, man. He got drilled right off the bat. It's kind of ironic. You know, he he gets a, he makes a big hit on Jack Eichel in game two. He gets asked about it after. Says, well, he's coming through the middle with his head down. If you get your head down, Millie Ice, I'd expect to get hit too. And that's exactly what happened in game three. And he missed most of the first period, started the second period, didn't look like he was all that thrilled coming back out. He looked like he just didn't have the usual Matthew Kachuk jump and then scores a tying goal very late in the game and provides a beautiful screen on the winning goal. After the game, he was asked about it, and he said, that was the gutsiest win that I've ever been a part of. And it was gutsy on the part of the Florida Panthers because, Danny, Vegas just shut them down in the third. They almost, almost the third. Just shut them down. Vegas was owning the puck. They were doing everything they needed to do, except shoot. Man, that team doesn't like to shoot. Anyway, um, and and then late they pull a goaltender late and you know the failure to clear pucks how many times did we see it last year oh just a couple times especially in the last <laughs> minute of periods exactly so this was about the last two maybe last minute plus and uh and then kachuk scores right in front of the net inside position boom it goes in and then they said they win in overtime after killing another penalty off um, you know, by the way, what did you think of the call? I, I thought the referee, from where the referee saw it, the referee made the call. He was behind the play. Chandler Stevenson tries to jump past Forsling in between Forsling and Barkoff. I think Chandler just lost his edge. He didn't dive. He fell, and he wasn't tripped. Um, but, but the the, but, the, from, but the optics looked like my first right? view of it was I said, boy, that's a dumb penalty. And then yeah, I said, so wait a second, hold on a second. He, he didn't even touch the guy. And it looked like Barkoff lifted his stick. So what's ah. the call here? And, you know, this is going to happen under under the real extreme heat and pressure of the finals, but also at the speed that the NHL has played. And it's pretty tough job that the referees do. Good illustration of that, I thought. Yeah, I think you're right on the money there because I said the same thing. I'd like... You know how I am when, when I'm sitting beside you every time there's, I think there's a penalty, I put my arm up and I do the same. I, I do the same thing on the couch when I'm watching the game. So I put my arm up and then, and the ref behind called it. And from his, like you said, from his optic, from his point of view, I definitely could see his point on that being a trip, but it wasn't. It wasn't. And here's how the entire game went. It was really exciting in the beginning because uh, Florida playing their very first game ever in FLA Live Arena in the Stanley Cup final. Remember back in 1996, they played in Miami. So it was yeah. a totally different situation. The only thing that was the same was the rats coming onto the ice from all of the Panther fans and the tradition that was set up all the way back then. However, it would be a very, very early goal, four minutes and eight seconds into the first period when Brandon Montour made it one nothing in favor of Florida. 
Out to the right point, long shot, and Montour's attempt is wide. Here on the near boards, it's Kachuk. Back in, Montour, some room, a shot, he scores! Top shelf, Brandon Montour from the top of the left circle, and the Panthers strike first. Four minutes, eight seconds into the action. Brandon Montour upstairs, may have been tipped on the way. The Panthers take a 1-0 lead. How about checking out the assists on that goal, Drew? Uh, Matthew Kachuk and Eric Stahl, the two Wiley yeah. veterans, one of them the, the big playoff performer who would have such a big role later in the game. Doug Plagens, the call there on Florida Radio. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, the great thing is, too, Brandon Montour uh, had flown between game one and game two back home because his uh, wife had a baby. So he goes, wife has the baby. Hi, how you doing? Love you. Boom, back on the plane. Um, and he said he wanted to do something special. He said after the game, that was for his uh, his baby and his baby's mama. He was so happy about it. But I think you bring up a good point, Danny. When you look at Stahl and you look at Kachuk and you look at Montour, they're big leader guys. You can't win in this playoffs. We've seen it in the NBA and we see it um, in the NHL. Your core guys, your 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 top guys have to perform at their highest levels. If they they've got to make an impact, you know, you're not always going to be your best, but you got to make an impact and starting things off the right way in Florida. Boy, they sure did. And uh, of course, Kachuk was beginning a really memorable night for him, but he's had a memorable playoff. Yet Vegas got on the power play, and this was one of the small weaknesses that Florida had in this game. Mark Stone, after Montour scored his first goal in a while, picked up a big one for Vegas. Again, it's a four-on-three. Marchessault, straight on to the right circle. Theodore near the dot. Looking, looking. Passes left. Marchessault, score! Mark Stone in front got a piece, and the Knights have tied it. Power play goal for Vegas. Mark Stone with 3.57 to go in the first period. And there it is again, big guys for Vegas coming through. Marchessault and Theodore assisting on Mark Stone, the captain's goal right out in front. Great goal for, for not for Arizona, for Vegas. But um, again, the power play has been a huge part of what Vegas has had to rely on in this playoffs. As it would turn out, it would help them, but then it would hurt them. Yeah, I was really surprised, actually, because going into this, this uh, final series, they were only 18% on the power play. And we saw power plays this year always be up in the 20s. If you were in 20% back in the day, you used to be pretty darn good. Now it was 25, 27, 30. The uh, Edmonton Oilers were ridiculous on their power play. But um, their power play has gotten extremely dangerous now. They're shooting the puck more. They changed up a little bit on the, on the, on the design. They don't hold on to it as much. And we saw that, of course, with the Sharks. When their power play was clicking, you get the puck moving. But Stone, beautiful job in front. I don't know, there's, besides Joe Pavelski and Mark Stone, um, there's just a few guys in the NHL that are better in front of the net. Um, there are not very many that are better than those two guys, but there's a few guys that can play like those two, get in front of the net, provide the right screen, get an inside position, and we'll talk about Marsha's show in a minute. Right, exactly. But you know what? The thing about Stone and Pavelski is they do their jobs a little bit differently. How would you describe the way that the, that Stone does it as opposed to the way Pavelski does it? Well, Stone's more physical. Stone's more because he's a bigger guy. He he asserts himself in front of the net. He gets more inside and closer to the goalie. Joe Pavelski is the master at, at distance. He is the master at levels. He's the master at coming up and tipping stuff in the slot but also he's the guy that can slip in and slip out. He's also, Joe Pavelski, more dangerous, more versatile off the wing on the shooting part. Like Stone, Stone will set up on the, on, the, on the right side, 
Pavelski on the left side, but Stone is bigger, so he just goes and tries to bully his way inside. Joe slips in and out. Joe's really smart at sliding to the side of the net then sliding back into a different position, high slot. So that's why I would I would look at the, where they stand and where they situate themselves and how how they try to reestablish or establish their position. I think Joe's a little sneakier in that regard. Well stated, Drew. I think that that's the best way to describe Pavelski. He kind of outthinks you. He, he causes you to make the yes. mistake by the way he has anticipated the way it's going to happen, where Stone does it, as you mentioned, with a little bit more power than finesse, but he's got that nice stick deft touch in front of the goal too, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, he's got a longer stick, you know, that, and that really helps him. That helped him last night. Well, what also has been helping Vegas has been the play of Jonathan Marchessault, and he came through on the power play at 14.59 of the second period to put Vegas in front and maybe plant a couple of seeds of doubt in Florida. At least that's what they were hoping. Drifts to the outside left wing. Finds Stone, who digs in behind. Thanks it across to the right. Eichel stumbled a bit. Gets the puck down the boards. Eichel, right goal line centered. Marchessault, he scores! Laser precision, Eichel to Marchessault. Power play goal, and the Knights take a 2-1 lead. 5-0-1 to go second period. What a shot from the near side by Jonathan Marchessault. Barely inside the left post on a cross-crease pass from Jack Eichel. He had stumbled on the right wing, then accelerated down near the corner. As he got to the corner, just below the goal line, he put that pass across, and the Knights have their first lead in Game 3. Well, they got the lead, but they would not hold it as it turned out. But there are the big guys again. Dan Duva, the call on that for Vegas Radio. Jonathan Marcheseau has 13 goals in the playoffs. What a year he's having. And once again, the irony jumps up that he used to play for Florida, and they let him go. Yeah, absolutely. After a 30-goal season. That stat there they threw out last night on uh, on Hockey Night in Canada anyway was that uh, Jonathan Marchessault is the first player uh, to score three goals in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, three power play goals in each of the first three games of the Stanley Cup Finals since Dick Duff in 1969 with the Montreal Canadiens. I remember Dick Duff sitting in the, the stands as a scout wearing those uh, those granny glasses because he needed Always. to read. But that was a great he's a great man. But uh, boy, what a player he was, too. And that's how long it's been. Uh, that goes back to the Stemmer era. Exactly. But it also shows you, as you said, the the key, the key guys, the core guys, the guys that you the, you depend on. And we we will see this or we'll, we'll hear it um, just a little bit later on as Vegas has to try to model comeback because you're right. The seed of doubt was there, especially the way that Vegas was playing. Um, the, the, the Florida Panthers couldn't find much offensive push or really any sustained zone time every every little bit. But for the most part, Vegas was playing a really solid, smart playoff hockey game part of that was uh, Sergei Bobrovsky in the nets and of course when it was one-to-one he made a couple of big stops I know Great we've turn. already played that Marcheseau goal but here's a, a save he made on Stone when it was all even Michael to Marcheseau across right circle Stone in front of shot save made by Bobrovsky as he holds on Stone and if he moved through that far circle to get the opportunity 13.58 left in the second 1-1 the score it's the Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights here in game three and Sergei Bobrovsky a big save with his team on the
the penalty kill. He made a whole bunch of those during the course of the game, and then he made a couple of big stops when it was 2-1 to one in favor of Vegas. It's Vegas in front of takeaway. Bennett had it ripped away by Stevenson. Maneuvers in shot. Save Bobrovsky! And then he stopped the follow-up as well. And Sergei Bobrovsky covers up. 129 left in the second. 2-1 Vegas. And how about William Carlson with his chance oh. that he had? Shoulder oh. by Montour, loose back behind the goal in front of him. And he, oh, what a save for and William Carlson. And then the puck pushed out of the zone. That was a quickly developing play. Bobrovsky got the left pad out, the blink of an eye, and made a huge save right out in front. Almost understated there by Doug Plagens at how really? good that save was. And you know what? Um, once again, he's coming off a very disappointing game. He gets pulled team is down he comes back and bounces back and again one of the leaders that they've depended on and he was there he faced question after question after question as did Paul Maurice their head coach in Florida and he gave Sergey Bobrovsky a vote of confidence I gotta be honest with you Danny he let he, he let in uh nine goals in 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 five periods right and I thought I thought for sure that they would be looking at maybe making the change to Lions, who came in in game two in relief, as you said, played well, but he was just he was just swarmed by the Vegas Golden Knights. And I was wondering, okay, have we seen the best of Brabowski? Obviously not. He bounced back big time. And his teammates certainly talked about it after the game. Sasha Barkov, captain of the Florida Panthers, such a big part of this team, says that Bobrovsky is always there when it's time. Every game is giving us a chance to to win the game, and today no different. He was he was incredible for us. Made some unreal unreal saves in every every literally every period. So he gave us a chance to win, and uh, we used that chance. Sam Reinhardt also concurred. He's been doing it for all all year, and especially the last couple of weeks. So um, you know, I think when 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 we're in lanes, we're we're kind of back defensively. Um, you know, collapsing, um, you know, it makes it a little bit easier on him. And then he's been making the spectacular saves at a great time. And, and that's what you need at this time of year. And so Bobrovsky has been really doing a, a great job in trying to convince people that he's a candidate for the Conn Smythe Trophy, for sure, for the way he's playing. But on the other side of the ice, Aiden Hill also needed to make some big saves in this 2-1 game. Stick lifted by McNabb, taken out of the corner, and a centering pass saved by Hill. Rebound to the nearest circle. Great look for Anthony Duclair. As the Panthers from center dump it in, Lundell lost an edge and got it into the corner. Centering pass in front. Oh, a save by Hill. Closing to his right, stopping Anton Lundell, who is all by himself at the left side of the slot. Close to a high stick there. Pulisar looked like he got one in the face from Colin White, but no call. Gudas into the slot. Dolby shoots, glove save. Now out high again. Then it creeps in. He shoots. Kick save. Petrangelo on the rebound to send it the length of the ice. Some big saves by Aiden Hill, too, and the score was 2-1, to one, and it was anybody's hockey game at that point, Drew. Um, I thought that Aiden, in last night's game, faced more traffic, Danny, in front than he had in the first two games. Obviously, that was a plan of the Florida Panthers. They have been, throughout this playoffs, until the first two games, done their best work right inside that slot area. Now, nobody defends as well as the Vegas Golden Knights, so they had obviously put a premium on making sure they own that space last night the Florida Panthers trying to get inside and I thought Aiden did a nice job on trying to fight to find the puck because there was a ton of traffic but boy you know what's amazing thing and you know I you know my thing about shot blocking I don't think it should be your first line of defense I think you should be skating through guys and attacking players and taking away their time and space 
but boy, I, I sure admire the guys who just lay down and block shots because both teams, both teams had had guys just selling out blocking shots. But it's been it was fun. But I thought Aiden really had to fight last night to find the puck. I think it's an interesting adjustment that the Panthers have made to to force that situation. Yep. Maybe having the last change means something in that situation at home. However, I don't think that the players felt that way during the course of the game. I mean, Alexander Barkov said, not really. Uh, that's not the big difference. I think he was more or less looking at the fact that he's got confidence in whoever steps in the faceoff circle. But I still think that Paul Maurice's ability to match a little bit, get the right guys on the ice for big draws was a part of this game last night. Yeah, and I think also, Danny, a part of that too was was um, the way that Bruce Cassidy used his defense. Um, for the most part, yeah, you know, he he's got the biggest, most mobile defense in the NHL. They're they're fantastic, but a lot of time out there in defensive zone faceoffs, um, he had Haig and White Cloud out, and they played great. But unfortunately, the last the last goal, they were they were victimized on not the overtime goal, the tying goal. They were victimized out there, but they played solid. But Again, that was maybe a matchup situation where the face where where they were able to get the right guys out at the right time when they pulled the goalie. Florida, I'm saying. For those Sharks fans that certainly remember Bob Airy, Sharks captain, and his 16 points for winning a Stanley Cup, one of them that we'll always remember, especially when Vegas is involved, is you're never out of a game. Uh, that was what occurred when the five-minute major occurred in, 19, in 2019. And uh, the Sharks ended up scoring four goals in that five minutes in that legendary contest. Well, here we had not that situation, but we had a couple of semi-related ones. Vegas was really holding on, and they were giving Florida everything they've had. Bobrovsky was making the big saves. Hill was keeping it ahead on the other side of the ice. And the big issue was the clock. The fact that yeah. when you look at that clock and you start to panic a little bit inside, you say, oh, I only have so much time left. And then Paul Maurice pulls the goalie. So that adds a another level of anxiety. But what happened? Again, the big guys came through. And the biggest guy in this playoff, as far as skaters are concerned for Florida, is Matthew Kachuk. Right point backhand, long shot, and a save made by Hill. The turnaround follow-up from Bennett blocked Ekblad near point. Looks across, big driver, Hagee, three ball, they score, and it's Matthew Kachuk on the doorstep, and this game is tied at two with 2.13 to play in regulation time. Let's think about this. Matthew Kachuk gets rocked by Keegan Kolasar in this game, right at the game after he uh, put the hit on Eichel. And he had to leave the game and he comes back and he really wasn't himself that first shift, but he found a way he dug deep. He did what I called squeeze that old tube of toothpaste as much as possible. <laughs> and he's on the ice and, and it came out. The toothpaste came out when he really needed it. Looking at that goal again, the critical guys Kachuk in front of Annette gets his 11th of the playoffs. Verhage and Ekblad assisting Carter Verhage, who would be the big hero a little bit later, has had an astounding playoff. And there's Ekblad stepping up when he had to. You talked about Ekblad last uh, last yep. time on Tuesday when we had the conversation that you thought that was a guy that needed to start uh, showing a little bit more offensively. He was playing well, but they needed something from him, and he gave them that. He did a great job on keeping that puck in, and that goalie pull wasn't on a faceoff, wasn't on an offensive zone draw. It was while the play was going on. Once Florida got the play into the Vegas zone, Paul Maurice pulled the goaltender. Two, it was two plus minutes. It was they scored two thirteen, but there was still. I think it was about 2.30 when he yanked the goalie, which is an early pull, really, when you think about it. And it worked out because they put pressure on and Vegas couldn't get the puck out. And then where was where was Kachuk when he scored the goal? Right in, right front. in front of the net. Inside stick position. Down. Perfect. Exactly. 
Exactly. And you got you got to look at Vegas's D zone coverage a little bit on that, but Kachuk also finds a way to get into that position, and there it was a great setup. Now Matthew Kachuk's got twenty four points in this postseason, which is the most playoff points by a player in his first season with a club since Marian Hossa had that many and more with Pittsburgh way way back in two thousand and eight. So we're really watching a remarkable postseason run by a guy in his very first season with the hockey team. Remarkable season with hundred plus points. Um, when you look at the guys that were on that line last year in Calgary, Lindholm and um, um, Goudreau and Kachuk. And you could throw Huberdeau in because he was the guy that was part of the trade. Huberdeau had 100-plus points. All those guys had 100-plus points. And then Kachuk goes, Huberdeau switches over. Huberdeau goes, he has the biggest point drop since Bill Barber, 1969 or whatever it was. And then um, Goudreau, his points drop, Lindholm's points drop, and um, or Lindblom, I should say, his points drop, and Matthew Kachuk has another 100-point season. I mean, they, the guy has been tremendous, and in the playoffs, he has been Mr. Clutch. So how many, if you look at the Florida, if you look at the Carolina series, and you look at this series so far, in the wins for the Florida Panthers, he has scored the three game-winning goals in the Carolina series assisted on the game-winning goal in the other in the other game where they didn't have to go to overtime and he scored the tying goal uh, to get their first win in the finals in the history of the franchise after this happened more drama because a penalty called the one that we talked about earlier that eventually was called on Gustav Forsling with only 12 seconds left a ticky tack call uh, you can't blame the official from the angle that they had the nope. speed that they were at but nope. you wonder if it's it, here's the here's the question i i suppose do you call one of those borderline calls if uh, the the game is on the line in the Stanley Cup final i say if if you feel it's a penalty you have to call it so yes. no, no blame on the official there, but Paul Maurice, uh, I was reading his lips on the bench yeah. and uh, I thought that Hard it was <laughs> rather marked that uh, what he was saying, that he did not think it was a pause penalty. <laughs> no, and it wasn't, but um, you know, he had the benefit uh, of a replay to look at it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm old coach. I don't mind complaining about the officials. And I think there's some calling some calls that the officials sh should have to explain themselves for this one. You can understand his point, but they, I also understand the emotion, but I, I I've been surprised at Paul, how emotional on his outbursts have been on the bench. Um, I would, I would suspect uh, there's one of the reasons that um, there are certain coaches that I look at and I admire how restrained they are because they they fight the the DNA inside them because it's an emotional game and they don't they don't want to feed their players. You you talked about you know the 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 sharks beating Vegas on that five minute power play. I believe to my to my heart in my heart that if Gerard Gallant would have just stayed calm, would have just relaxed and, and said his piece, but made sure he kept his guys together, that comeback might have happened. It might not have happened because Gerard Gallant added fuel to the emotional fire that was already going within the Vegas players. You remember him losing it on the bench. Absolutely. I remember March's show after that, losing it on the bench. And then when Logan scored, boom, the emotions just exploded with the Sharks and it was all over. What was Pete DeBoer doing at that time? Totally calm. Even, even keel, man, totally calm. He didn't get all excited. And I think you have to have that. 
as a coach. I'm a little surprised, but maybe, well, so far it works for Paul and the Florida Panthers. You remember Paul's outburst earlier in the season where we, you and I and Brett Hedekin talked about it. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. I love Paul Maurice, but I thought it was, was, what are you doing, man? You can't lose it. Cause all he did was yell at his team to F off for about 37 times. Given the but, fact that, given the fact that Paul Maurice is so controlled normally, it's pretty obvious. There are a couple of things at play, at least from my view. And that is one, he knows what his team needs. He feels that the team needs it. Maybe uh, the guys that say, I'd like to be accountable in this way, help me out. Um, remember the Sharks, David Quinn, Eric Carlson, be yep. accountable. I, I think maybe that's at play. But here's something else, too. Don't forget that Paul Maurice was just out of the game for a while. And this Florida thing just sort of surprised him, I think, a little bit. Maybe he's looking at this as, this is my big chance. I might not ever get a situation like this. And maybe some of that emotion's playing into it, too. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think you're I think you could be bang on right there. It's hard to play psychologist from from our distance, but it's what we do. It's fun. Um, I think you that's an excellent point. And you're right. This you know, he he was in the Stanley Cup finals in two thousand and two. Three, two or three, two, two. Yeah, with Brett Hedekin. Brett Hedekin was on that team. He was a young he lost guy. To Detroit he was four nothing. Right. Yeah, exactly. So he he knows that it's it's you know, it's twenty years later, twenty-one years later. And he's been with a couple of different teams since then. It's damn hard to get to the Stanley Cup finals. As Sharks fans know, it's damn hard to win. So you've got to push when you think is necessary. Well, push they did and win they did. They killed off that penalty, which was so huge in uh, the end of regulation and into overtime. And then a guy who seems to be Mr. Overtime, Carter Verhage, would get the winner. Here's Doug Plagens. Take that away. Tried to nudge it out front of the net, but the Golden Knights move it forward. Now it's Bennett back in. Bennett up the near side, looks across for Hagee, high slot shot, he scores! Carter Verhage, the overtime winner here in game three! The Panthers take it, 3-2 the final! Hanging around, hanging around, Carter Verhage flops a nut straight, pay that man his money! As Billy Lindsay with the color, former Shark great, and uh, that of course brings back this memory. He beats me, straight up. Pay him. Pay that man his money. <laughs> Little Teddy KGB there. <laughs> you and I love that. But I'm so glad Teddy threw or that Billy threw that in there. That's so good. I thought I didn't hear that last night. I was watching the TV. That way to go, Danny. That's a good one. Way to go, Billy Lindsay. <laughs> well, and way to go, Carter Verhage. He's Mr. Yes. Overtime. He's the only player in NHL history to score multiple overtime goals in consecutive postseasons. And he's one of only three to have two in multiple playoff years at any point in his career. And the other two guys have done that, Joe Sackick and Essa Tekin, and pretty, pretty good company. Carter Verhage, another guy who played for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They had to let him go because of the salary cap and they, the, the way that they managed their, their roster. But that tells me two things. Number one, Tampa knows what they're doing when it comes to getting and finding young talent. But number two, uh, Florida taking advantage of it with, with this guy. And he is coming through like gangbusters. Yeah, again, Danny, go back to what you said at the start of this. The core guys, right? The core guys for Vegas, Stone and March or so score. And then the core guys for the Florida Panthers score as well. It's a, uh, you know, it was funny before this game, like last night's game, Paul Maurice was asked because Barkov said it, Ekblad said it, um, uh, um, Duclair said it that they needed to be better. They needed to bring more. Paul Murray said, well, I'm not sure I believe in more. You just got to try to be 
be as good as you can. Well, they were very, very good last night. All the core guys, all the big guys. They certainly were. Florida wins and they are alive in the Stanley Cup final. Really an amazing series so far. Before we finish up the show, Drew, I want to talk about the, the expansion team situation yes. because Vegas expanded into the league. They've been to the finals a couple of times now. And Florida was a team that's a newer team in the league. They're now in the Stanley Cup final and both teams are trying to win their very first Stanley Cup. Uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman talked about that a couple of days ago. The model in sports, all sports, when you did expansion over the years, was you charge a lot of money and you give a mediocre team. The initial enthusiasm for a non-competitive team dissipates in three or four years. And when you get about 10 years out, the team gets competitive and there's a second wind. Because of the system we have, where all teams can be competitive, can afford to be competitive, we didn't see any reason to use the old model we wanted teams that could be competitive from day one if they were built the right way. Uh, and that's what we did here. And Bill Foley and George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon did all the right things. That's what's going on in Seattle. Uh, and you see the enthusiasm and how the community has embraced this team and the Kraken. Because in addition to being excited about getting a major league team here, the first major league team, it was also a competitive team. And people could see up close and personal how much fun NHL hockey is, particularly playoff hockey. Of course, the commissioner is 100% right, although I think he was describing the early Sharks years there to a T, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. The teams that uh, the Sharks were able to pick versus, uh, and I, they, I have no disrespect intended to those guys because I absolutely love those guys. I wouldn't change one thing about those two teams um, as far as the people that I got to work with and we got to work around. Um, Love those guys. But, you know, the Sharks lost 100 games quicker than anybody in the history of the National Hockey League, but they were third fastest to 1,000 wins. Is that right? That's right. I remember. Yeah. You know, behind Toronto and Montreal, absolutely amazing. What the Sharks did was something amazing. But he's absolutely right. If you're going to put a, a team in a brand new position like Vegas, the, the first professional team there, it's got to be a good team. So the fans come out and they certainly have. Well, they have, and we've got ourselves a final. And now we're going to continue with our Stanley Cup playoff report. Uh, after game number four, uh, there will be no decision as far as the Stanley Cup playoffs are concerned. But the way they've spread this series out, I think it's only appropriate that we talk about game four right after it's played. It's going to be a great one. We appreciate the fact that you're here with us today. Thanks for joining us. That's it for our show. You've been listening to the Stanley Cup playoff report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.